0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company,
1: Golden, Colorado. It's a brand new football season. Antonio Brown is on the Raiders. Le'Veon Bell is with the Jets. Odell Beckham is in Cleveland. The one thing that hasn't changed where I'm putting my money down on all the games. My bookie is the place. To bet on football every weekend. Our Blue Wire podcasters are using mybookie.com/slash BlueWire to sign up this year. MyBookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sports book. Period. This year they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least hundred thousand dollars and it only costs a hundred bucks to enter. All you got to do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and score your share of the huge cash prize pool. My has live in-game betting on every NFL game. They've got the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M Y B O O K I E. And don't forget to use the promo code Blue BLUEWIRE. And when creating your account to claim the bonus, bet, win, get paid.
0: What it do, Hardwood Knox babies? I am Dan Pavali coming at you with my super duper incredibly esteemed, awesome times awesome, fantabulous, spectaculario, ready to dive into a super deep, random, off the cuff, stream of conscious mailbag co host, Andrew D. Bailey. We are without our other fearless and awesomeist, or one of the awesomer, whatever. We're out, one of our co hosts, Mo Dakiel, this time around. We will be plowing through this mailbag, though, before we get started. I just want to give the usual reminder. Please continue rating, reviewing, subscribing to us on iTunes. The numbers have been a little stagnant as we are in the dog days of the NBA summer. We're still pumping out content for you, though, once and twice a week during this time. We'd appreciate it if you haven't already. Throw us that rating on iTunes. Write a review. We love sifting through those. Definitely subscribe if you haven't already. If you have done all those things, please recommend us. Shout us out on Twitter. Steal people's phones and subscribe them to us on their behalf. They will thank you later. Anything that helps us get the word out. As ever, we can also be found wherever else people are consuming podcasts as well if iTunes is not yours or the person you're recommending us to's thing. Follow us on Twitter as well, at Hardwood Knox. And then go follow Andy on Twitter, at Andrew D. Bailey. And after you follow those two accounts, feel free to follow me, at Dan Favalli. F-A-V-A-L-E. You don't need to follow Mo. Just kidding. You definitely need to follow Mo. At Mo.Kiel underscore M-B-A-M-O-D-A-K-H-I-L underscore M-B-A. Follow him over me if you have to pick and choose for some weird reason. Lastly, but certainly not leastly, follow Blue Wire on Twitter, at BlueWirePods. We are pumping out content there every day. Have some fire tweets coming out, and you can also check out one of our many other spectaculario podcast. And now, the question everyone's been waiting for over the past 120-ish seconds, Andy, how you doing?
1: I am doing great. I am ready to dive into the mailbag. As you said, your intro made me think, uh, did you see that video of the woman interviewing Kawhi and she said, what it be, baby, instead of what it do? Yeah,
0: I was like, <laughs> the, did you see the, the person who tweeted it? He, uh, they were like, he's only ever said four words and you got them wrong. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I felt bad for her. Um, valiant effort, though. I'll give her that. But that was that was a funny question. Yes, I'm great. I'm ready to dive into the mailbag. Uh, we decided to go themed this time, Western Conference only. Love it. Um, so it's it's a little bit narrowed down, but we still got a ton of responses. So thanks to you guys. As always, um, should we just dive right in?
0: I'm gonna ball, but let's do it.
1: <laughs> okay. Brett McGeehee at Brett underscore Hoops fan. Um, His nickname is Be Easy. By the way, that's the other thing we did with the mailbag uh, this time was I also asked you guys to give me an NBA nickname and where you're from. He's from Bogalusa, Louisiana. So it should come as no surprise that we're going to get a New Orleans Pelicans question. Is Drew and Lonzo the best defensive backcourt in the West? They could be. That's I mean, such, they're certainly in the conversation.
0: That's such a hedge. I would love to know if uh, Lonzo Ball is going to stay healthy. Number one, yeah. and that's sort of a situation, though. What other backcourt brings to mind? It's not. So here's be... all right. Here's right here. go ahead. I was going to say, like, is I, I don't know what is it. Is it the Clippers? If you think Paul George and Patrick Patrick Beverly, if that's who you go with, because then that'd be my pick.
1: If, yeah, if George starts the two instead of Landry Shamit, So there's a couple different things the Clippers can do. I, I think they could go Beverly, Shamit and then have Leonard and George at the forward spots. But if they want to be a little bit bigger, Beverly and George is probably better defensively than Holiday and Ball. Um, I think the Spurs might be in the conversation with Murray and White. Um, DeJounte Murray was, was maybe the best perimeter defender in the league the last – time the last season that he played he missed all the last season with that torn acl um i'm, I'm just scanning teams sleeper in
0: the last pick, that's chris paulish alexander in oklahoma city
1: oh yeah that is a good sleeper pick actually um i think i'm i'm probably torn between those first three I'm and I, say I actually
0: flippers because i'm assuming they won't start Kawhi or pg-13 at the four and that means one of them is going to be the de facto two, and if you have yeah. Patrick Beverly plus one of them, I don't, I don't know how you beat that.
1: Yeah, it's tough. But New Orleans being in the conversation is is pretty cool. One thing that I've been fascinated by all summer is the fact that they traded Anthony Davis, and I think there's a decent chance they could be better next year than they were uh, in 2018-19. So heck of a heck of a rebuild there. I'm not saying anything original to pat them on the back for that. Um. Let's go to our next one from at Ty Yeager Radio. His NBA nickname would be Jaegerbaum. Bomb. He's from Arlington, Texas. And his question is, where do you think the Spurs will end up? A lot of projections have them out, but the team looks improved and has a talented defender coming back.
0: I, can we say they look improved? If you're just factoring in yeah, the addition of DeJounte Murray, that's fine. I don't know that they won 48 games last year and they struggled on defense I for a good chunk of the year. I think they closed out pretty strong. I don't have those numbers right in front of me. Murray certainly helps them there. Carroll gives them a little bit more switchability. Trey Lyles can give them a smaller ball five look if they ever want to go that route. I think they're going to end up being six, seven, or eight in the West. I have them in the playoffs, but it's tough for me to see them cracking the 50-win mark, which is what I think it will ultimately take to finish in the top five in that
1: conference. I think they miss uh which is i think I predict- that
0: last year too
1: I, yeah i was gonna say i think i predicted that for at least last year maybe the last two years i'm printing years.
0: these receipts
1: <laughs> yeah we need to have we done our we haven't done playoff predictions yet right no um, we
0: did our make hope from last season we got a lot wrong in the over-unders let's
1: just that. <laughs> so it'll be fun uh to see how many i get wrong again but uh, and here's the weird thing about this prediction for me is, is the thing that I'm most worried about with them is their offense and they were really good offensively. I'm pretty sure they were like fifth or sixth in the league offensively last season, at least according to cleaning the glass. Um, it was the defense that was more of an issue, which maybe I should be concerned about that because you're starting to Marta Rosen. And, and I, I think Aldridge is a fine defender. I don't think he's like a great anchor. Um, so there's there's all kinds of issues, but I'm more concerned about offense, which again is kind of weird because they finish so really? high. But I just I, I just have a hard time with an offense that's so predicated on mid range jumpers, thinking it's going to be fine in today's NBA. It was last season, but maybe maybe now we're going to get some kind of regression.
0: It just, they have the guys who should be taking those shots though, in Demar and LaMarcus Aldridge. And so if you think if you're worried about your offense, if I it's it's fair to me to worry about the offense from an overall spacing perspective, because DeJounte Murray's not a three-point shooter, at least if he was going to be last year. We we have no idea of knowing until he plays this season after the ACL injury. And so then you're just banking on, though, beyond that, there's going to be regression from DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge. And I don't know that Aldridge is on the older side, but I don't know. I just—I have a tough time believing— worrying about their offense when you look at the talent. They were fifth in efficiency last year per clean-off I'd be more concerned about the defense, which was 20th in points allowed per 100 possessions um, outside of garbage time. So I'm going to give you over-unders for them. Over-under, they finish in the top 10 of offensive efficiency. and Or better or worse, we'll say. Over-unders are weird.
1: I'm going to say worse.
0: 20th in defense. Let me go 17th in defensive efficiency. Better or worse.
1: Better. I think they'll just be middle of the league in both.
0: Hmm. Interesting. I'll print those Um, receipts
1: too. (laughs) You know what else I found was weird? And we talked about this when it happened was the Davis Bertans trade.
0: It was weird because they didn't end up with Marcus Morris.
1: I still like to this day, I don't think Marcus Morris would have been a great addition for them either. And I know I was kind of in the minority on that, but Bertans was one of the only guys they had who could space the floor. And he's a really, really good shooter and to give him up was just strange to me. Um, I don't know. They they had a they had an interesting offseason. I'll probably 6 months from now or whatever it is look back and realize I was wrong again, but that's where I am right now. Um, Gregory Blakely at Gregory Blakely G Money from Cincinnati, Ohio, who clinches the 8th seed in the West.
0: Kind of just touched upon that with this with the Spurs. Yeah. If I had to pick the eight teams that were going to make the playoffs in the West, this might be the best way to do that question. We've probably answered that before over the offseason, but it it could. It, this is a very fluid situation. I would say Warriors, Nuggets, Rockets, Jazz, Spurs, and Clippers from last year are all in. And then I have to give a spot to the Lakers. That's seven. Then I'm going to say Blazers. My guess would be that the Kings just aren't good enough yet. The Pelicans, it seems a little early to go that route. It's not going to be the Mavericks or the Suns. I would be shocked if it's one of them. The Thunder, if they keep Chris Paul all year, maybe. If they keep Gallinari as well, but their situation is just so up in the air, it's tough for me to pick them as one of the eight.
1: Have you seen how many projections have Dallas in? No. I'm. I, it's fascinating to me. Like Kevin Pelton's projections have them in. Um, I think 538s have them in. I, it's, it's, I mean, the, the models must be very, very high on Luka Doncic. I think they're pretty high on Porzingis, too. I'm with you. I don't, I would be pretty surprised if they made it, but there are a lot of um, statistical models that have them in the mid to high 40s, which is a little surprising. It just surprising.
0: presupposes that you're probably going to get improvement from Doncic, which is fine, but then it also probably assumes that Porzingis is going to be the same player, if not better, and I don't yeah. know that you could go that far he's coming off the torn left ACL. I think
1: – I think a lot of those systems like DeLon Wright a lot, too. Um, that was a good pick up on him,
0: though.
1: Yeah, and I, I like him, too. And I think he's an interesting fit with Doncic. I think it can be kind of like the Beverly Harden fit in Houston. Um, but, I mean, th- there's some things to like with Dallas. Who do we think are locks in the West? Denver, Utah, Golden State, both uh, L.A. teams. I'm up to five. Houston makes six. Is that is that fair to characterize those as the locks?
0: And you're leaving the Spurs and the Blazers sort of billowing in the wind. That's fair. <laughs> I would I would pencil the Spurs in as the lock. But this is the way you underestimate the Spurs, I tend to underestimate the Blazers, apparently. I'm kind of that
1: way with the Blazers too. Um I, I also would not have them as a lock. And and actually, that's a good uh segue into another question, if I can find it. Um from at Dan Corsey. He says his nickname would be Prez. He's from Sao Paulo, Brazil, but living in Toronto these days. Is Portland better or worse than last season?
0: Oh, man, it's such a tough question. Uh, isn't it fair to say that they're worse because you're not going to have a full season of Nurkic?
1: That's kind of where I would land on hey, that. And I we, we talked about this in a previous episode, but I'm just not blown away by their moves in general this they, summer. They, I think they, Nurkic being gone is the biggest thing here but but they did a handful of moves that were just i i couldn't fully get behind
0: they're making to me a lot of gambles that i can't fully get behind it's i like Anthony simons especially what we saw from him in summer league but can he be your backup point guard can can kent more? do you even need a backup point guard as of right now they don't actually have one again unless they think that simons is that guy and then you need just some dice rolly additions to pan out hassan whiteside needs to be good, which is uh, he might be in that system. They were able to make Ennis Cantor work on defense for stretches in the yeah. playoffs. There's hope there. Then you need Rodney hood to kind of be more consistent. You need Mario Hazonia to probably play actual minutes, or you're going to have to rely on this little and playing rookies really isn't Terry Stotts thing. There's, there's just, there's a lot to kind of parse through here and they're really testing the merits of their defensive system because for Kent Bazemore is probably a good sort of barometer for this. He's an okay defender, but I think he's always been a little bit overrated defensively and then underrated offensively. And so this is a team that seems like it's very geared towards the offensive end, even more so than it usually is. And And that'll be interesting to see how that plays out.
1: Um, I, I think they will be a little bit worse and I, I can't disagree with, anything that you said there, there's a lot riding on the Hassan Whiteside um, edition. And and I think I did this in the last episode, if I didn't do it during, not the last episode, but some previous episode. If I didn't do it while we were recording, I did it afterward. And the guys that are outgoing are are projected for fewer wins above replacement than the handful of guys that Evan Turner um, named in his tweet responding to Jason quick. So there's, there are, reasons for skepticism with the Blazers but this is another team that I've been wrong <laughs> about for a few years. Um they made it all the way to the Western Conference Finals. They still have Damian Lillard. There's there's great synergy between him and CJ McCollum. Um we've got another question coming up about the best backcourts in the West and they they are going to be in that conversation um until they break up probably. So there's there's reason for optimism if you're a Blazers fan um despite my pessimism. Um Nick's specs at three go or three G overtime. Uh, he says his nickname is Overtime, so uh, good good use of your Twitter handle there. Uh, we got a ton of questions about the Mavericks in this mailbag, so this this relates back to a couple questions back as well. What do we think? Oh, and he's from Toronto. What do we think is a proper expectation from the Doncic Unicorn pairing this season?
0: Like in terms of wins. <laughs>
1: Just generally, um, it, they look. Yeah, like take they, it wherever you want. They
0: they look like they're going to complement each other well on paper, just with their their game types. I'm very interested to see pick and pops run between them. It all just really comes back to what is Porzingis going to look like, and then also, it, is it cool him playing the four so much? Just the way the roster is built, it doesn't seem like they really view him as a five. I guess you can get away with him there because you don't have to play Boban, and so you can use just the, the Dwight Powell, Porzingis, Boban uh, trio, you can definitely carve out minutes for Porzingis at the five, and so that's fine. It's They look like they're going to complement e- each other well. If they're going to make the playoffs, though, if we're talking Dallas's best, best, best case scenario and they're going to win 47, 48 games next year, both those guys need to be, I would say, top 25 players when all is said and done, just because I know they always... I, I don't dislike their bench, but... Yeah, Seth Curry, great pickup. Justin Jackson, their wing rotation underwhelms is really just what I'm still kind of getting at beyond Doncic, Justin Jackson is fine. I've never been a Tim Hardaway Jr. fan. Dorian Finney-Smith kind of toes the line of 3 and D, but skews more towards D. And it kind of just ends there, unless you think that Courtney V is going to make a good impact slash stay healthy. There are just there's so many questions there that they're gonna need to to me to make the playoffs on the backs of star power, which as of right now is not guaranteed beyond Doncic.
1: Yeah, I think after the top four or five guys on this team, there's the potential for a huge drop off. Um, and I'm like you, I think Porzingis long term needs to be a five. I think you can kind of cheat and say that Powell and Kleber or Kleba Kleba, however you pronounce that. Um, you could kind of cheat and say they're your fours and classify Porzingis as a five, but I I think they would be best served if they had, and and maybe Cleva counts as this, but more of a stretchy four who can kind of keep people away from the paint. Um, But I agree with you. I I think Doncic and Porzingis are going to have to be very, very good for Dallas to live up to some of the projections that I've seen. I think they're going to fall a little bit short. Um, of of those numbers that I've seen floating around the internet, I think they're going to be around 500, maybe barely above, like a 42-40 and 40 team. And that's just probably not going to be good enough to get into the playoffs in the West. Uh, for them personally, I, I think based on what Doncic did last season, which was obviously ridiculous, uh, matched by no one except for Oscar Robertson, I think he could average... It, this isn't crazy based on what he already did, but somewhere around the mid twenties and points close to, you know, eight or nine rebounds, seven or eight assists. Um, he's going to be a stat stuffer for his entire career. I think Porzingis could be low to mid twenties in points, maybe, maybe eight or nine rebounds, a couple blocks. Um, they're, they're both going to be really, really productive. They're going to have a ton of opportunities to shoot and score and do the things that they do well. But like you said, it's it's a little bit dicey to expect big contributions from other guys in the roster.
0: All right, guys, we have an announcement to make. Blue Wire is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com slash Wire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes a five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade rich, lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You get all that for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough with the cheap razors. It's totally worth trying, Harry's. Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. So Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash blue wire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, just let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash blue wire to redeem your razor for just $3. Let's
1: see. At Brandon R. Goldie, his nickname, if he was in the NBA, is Goldilocks. He's from Salt Lake City, and he's wondering if the Warriors' legacy is over. Um, I don't; legacy is never over, so maybe he means the dynasty.
0: Look, I mean, you could argue that it's over because they lost last season in the finals. Basically, I said this on the last podcast. I believe that people are probably underestimating what they're capable of. The D'Angelo Russell pickup, to me, is understatedly huge. I know that his game doesn't necessarily mesh with the Warriors' typical game, but it does seem like they're going to lean towards more pick-and-roll when you look at the pickup of Willie Cauley-Stein, and we know that the Stephen curry Draymond Green pick-and-roll is just unstoppable anyway, and so maybe you just run more variations of that with D'Angelo Russell and and Draymond Green, and then once Klay Thompson comes back, they're going to have a path to some pretty damn good defensive lineups with him. Draymond Green can be in there. And then if you have Kavan Looney at the five, then you know that you can have three above average defenders on the court at all times. And then with Stephen Curry and Daniel Russell, that's a lineup that can really do some damage. Fair to question their depth for sure. Uh, you know, what are they looking at for backup playmaker at this point? Is it Jacob Evans, uh, Alfonso McKinney, Alec Burks? And then their big man rotation, you know, Willie Cauley-Stein is not a good defender. How long can you get by with him on the court? Can he play minutes without Draymond Green? Are you going to get actual contributions from Amari Spellman? Uh, how about the flyer on Glenn Robinson the third? You definitely need to hit on one of him or Alec Burks just to kind of look the part of a team that can go 8 to 10 deep on on any given night. That That's going to be a, a fair thing to wonder about this squad. But looking at their first five guys, maybe six, I'm um, a little bit higher. If we're assuming Kevon Looney comes off the bench, this is going to be a really good team.
1: I think they're going to be really good too. Um, spoiler alert for maybe a next question in an article I have coming out tomorrow. If you, if you sort all the backcourts by combined wins above replacement for next season, uh, the only team that has more than Curry and Russell is Westbrook and Harden in Houston. Um, they're going to be really, really good. I want to see Stephen Curry shoot it like 25 times a game. He probably won't because uh, I think Russell's usage might have even been higher than Durant's last season. So there, there's going to be a lot of sharing between those two. But I'm excited to see if Curry can can show us like a 2015-16 type season again. Um, I, I'm, I'm with everything that you said. I think they're going to be very, very good. I think there probably are some depth concerns. But there's also some guys that are, I think, fairly interesting. You named a bunch of them. Um, they didn't quite work out in other situations, but I'm not ready to give up yet. Like Alec Burks, uh, you'll be shocked to hear that. Glenn, <laughs> Glenn Robinson, who had he, he showed some chops as a shooter in previous spots, and, and maybe he can get back on track with the Warriors. Um, and I, you mentioned something in your explanation that I hadn't thought of before. I, I kind of like Willie Colleystein. I liked him in Sacramento. I thought he was a little bit underrated, but you're right. his His defense is not great. Maybe... If you pair him with Draymond Green, it mitigates uh, some of his defensive issues. So I think they've got a lot of interesting combinations to throw together. Tons of talent at the top, of course, still. But in answer to the question, do I think their dynasty is over? I I think it probably is. It's hard to imagine them uh, winning another title.
0: Winning just another title with this core? You don't even think maybe after next season when you have Klay Thompson all year?
1: The thing is, they just keep getting older. That's fair. Um, Stephen Curry's thirty-one right now, and maybe he has the kind of game that ages better than most superstars because shooting is—it it, just—it ages better um, than a lot of other skills. So maybe he'll—he'll he'll be a super superstar for longer than most guys. Um, but Draymond's getting older too. I, I think we're—we're we're just now starting to hit a, a time period where we might get some diminishing returns from some of these guys.
0: Can you name? Every player or any player that ran more pick and rolls than D'Angelo Russell last year per game.
1: I feel like you may have told me this, so this might be cheating, but I'm going to say nobody.
0: Kemba Walker, and that's it.
1: Oh, wow. huh?
0: Shout out Charlotte.
1: <laughs> it's interesting that um, one, of the, one of the things that Warriors fans seem to have griped about with Steve Kerr over the last few years is that he doesn't run enough pick and roll. So it'd be interesting to see if he relents on that at all or if they try and sort of...
0: If he doesn't, they're going to have a problem. I just don't know what D'Angelo Russell's use is there. And people thought I was low on the fit when I did report cards for Bleacher Report because I mentioned this. It's I'm actually not low on the fit. I, I think I'm probably higher on D'Angelo Russell in Golden State than a lot of other people. It's just that it's going to be an adjustment whether... They do run more pick and roll or they don't. It's gonna be an adjustment for somebody, the Warriors as a team or D'Angelo Russell as a player or both. I will say if they're not running more pick and roll, at least with him leading maybe units that are don't have Stephen Curry in them, that's I would say unacceptable. Why would you max him out, one of the highest volume yeah. pick and roll players from last year and then not run more pick and roll?
1: I think they need to run more with him and Stephen Curry. It'll be interesting to see how they make it work. I mean, he's going to have to play more off the ball too. just that it's, it's just the nature of the situation when he plays with Curry, but um, that they're going to be one of the most intriguing teams for me to watch for the first month or so of the season, just to see how they work that pairing out. Um, At T Vlam jazz fam his NBA nickname would be love handles with a Z. Hmm. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> he's from Salt Lake City, Utah, but he wants us to know that his dad is from Greece. And his question is, will Mike Conley finally get that all-star appearance?
0: Uh, No. There's, I Go just don't. It. Where's the, where's just what, who are you writing off the all-star to the backcourt? That's,
1: that's the problem in the West. Mike Conley could probably average like 20 points, eight assists, um, four rebounds, a couple steals. <laughs> Be great from, three and still have a bunch of guards in front of him the west is just loaded
0: damian lillard Stephen curry you can throw mike conley in there you have to put russell westbrook in there we don't know how it's going to work out and you harden uh harden yeah for sure it's just it's it's so tough Uh, and again is paul george going to qualify as a guard because that's going to make it even tougher Will will we'll yeah. voters allow to be able to vote him in as a wing? They probably will, but that's something to monitor. Or what if the Lakers— We just talked about just,
1: D'Angelo Russell.
0: Yeah, and what if the Lakers actually do start LeBron James at point guard all year? Yeah. And it ends up being a Ben Simmons-type situation there. So. Drew
1: Holiday, I think, is sort of on the same tier as Conley.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's just—look, even De'Aaron Fox, that might be the level that Conley's yeah. at. So yeah, my guess, my, my guess is no.
1: I think Conley will be really, really good. I think the numbers I threw out earlier are, are like best, best, best case scenario. I think within Utah's system, he probably averages like high teens, 16, oh, 17 yeah, points per game.
0: That's the other thing is there are – it's it, there's just – there's more mouse to feed in Utah than there were yeah. in Memphis towards the end. You have Donovan yep. Mitchell. Uh, you have Bojan Bogdanovich now. And you just – you have another uh, secondary playmaker in Joe Ingles. We might see Conley play off the ball a little bit more. So. And even –
1: Gobert averaged like 16 or 17 last year. So he's, he's going to need a Anita. three point
0: shot, though. We don't need to. Talk about
1: it. <laughs> That's one of my favorite summer videos so far. Gobert hitting threes. But yeah, I think, I think Conley could be really good and like analytically have one of his best seasons of his career and still not even sniff all star consideration just because the West is so loaded as it always is with talent. That's, uh, one of the reasons that Gordon Hayward went to the East, that was one of his reported reasons that he wanted to make more all-star teams. It's just harder in the West. So I'm going to say no to that question as well.
0: Speaking of um, you saying one of your favorite videos was Go bear shooting threes, you know what my new favorite summer video is? What's that? Devin Booker getting mad that he was double-teamed in, in, in an open Oh, I haven't seen that gym. one. Yeah, he it's look, it's like all over the place now. He said he got doubled and he was like, "Hey bro, we not doubling in open gym. I get that shit all season. Come on, man, let's work on our <laughs> game." I just want to point out a few things. One, STFU. Like you're playing basketball. And two, if you're getting double teamed all season, wouldn't getting double teamed in open gym count as working on your game?
1: Yeah, there you go. I just yeah,
0: thought it was need- I just I actually I tend to be higher on Devin Booker than a lot of other people, although if I say anything even remotely negative about him or positive about Jason Tatum, I get shit from Suns fans, and it's just it's so Suns annoying. Suns
1: fans are insane.
0: It's Look, I hate—I'm not painting the fan base with a brush. There are, I am. Uh, <laughs> there are tons of smart Suns fans and analysts, but you're going to turn the general public against Devin Booker because you call people casuals if they like Jason Tatum over Devin Booker. And casuals yeah. is the new, do you even watch games? Like that needs to die too. It's anyway that digresses. the The Devin Booker video was was funny. I'm not criticizing him as a player. I think it's unbelievably stupid to get mad about being doubled in open gym. And then the justification he used was just, I, I didn't I didn't understand it. Where well, I'm trying to work on my game, I get double teamed all season. Well, then maybe you should get double teamed in the summer too.
1: I would like to brag about the fact that I've been double teamed in the post a few times playing pickup please basketball. Please don't
0: turn into one of those Twitter trolls that's like, hey, when I played.
1: Um, and I do get annoyed, like Devin Booker. However, I am not Devin Booker. I, I am not a uh, high 20 Why? points per game NBA player. Why so I, I, I think I'm within my rights.
0: Why do you get mad if you're double teamed? There aren't these. <laughs> People I don't to
1: really. I just pass the ball and then mosey around to some other part of the floor. So
0: you're mad that you have to pass. That just seems selfish.
1: <laughs> That's a pretty common, uh, emotion for me. Mad that I have to pass
0: <laughs> you and a, you and Hassan Whiteside both sometimes.
1: Exactly. Um, all right. From at Jordan Hanson, 16, he says his NBA nickname would be Skrilla. He's from Malad, Idaho. Um, which playoff team from last season is mo- most likely to miss this year? I think yours might be Portland.
0: No, it's Oklahoma City.
1: Oh, I, yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about, that Oklahoma City was even in the playoffs. That, that tells us something about the uh, Russell Westbrook-Paul George era.
0: If you had to pick after them, who would be the next most likely team in the West to miss the playoffs? Yeah, it's
1: definitely the Thunder. And then for me, it's probably the Spurs.
0: I don't even want to have to pick because I feel like I'm shitting on an organization if I pick the the Blazers, but they, they would be my pick, and that's such a it's such an insult to Damian Lillard. I hate myself for it. I think I had him when we did end of season rankings. I had him as a top ten player last year, and he was fourth or fifth on my MVP ballot. I can't remember. I hate myself for it, but they are they would be my second most likely pick to miss the playoffs. Which and they, maybe it's not an insult because you could win
1: like forty seven games I, next yeah. year
0: and miss the playoffs.
1: I think the easy justification is that it's the Western conference. Um, and you're, you're right. Teams could be in the mid to high forties and still miss. I mean, that <laughs> we, we had another question. Let's see if I can find it real quick. Um, that relates to this. It's from at MCU KMF. Uh, he says his nickname is Mr. Snail and he's from Serbia. Um, how many Western teams would qualify for a top 16? No conferences, playoffs. This is kind of hard to do off the cuff, um, but I think Portland and San Antonio would probably be probably be in. Maybe New Orleans, maybe Dallas, maybe Sacramento. Um, that there's a chance that it would be. I don't know, ten, eleven. Yeah, 10, I mean that might that's like the high end, but I don't think that's impossible. I think ten's a fair number. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> the the balance of talent from from west east it's not getting any better
0: i will say though the schedule would have to change too but last year it was only eight we're in the top 16 i believe
1: yeah and i think it fluctuates a little bit from year to year like the last couple seasons it's i think it's been a little bit closer but i think in general it it's still not crazy to me to expect like 9 10 11 teams might make the playoffs in that scenario
0: particularly when you look at charlotte got way worse and yeah. the Lakers got better. The Kings Washington
1: could be worse.
0: Growing up, well, the Wizards didn't make the playoffs, so it's not even a. I'm just looking at Eastern Conference teams you could bounce that were in front of. But if you, oh, yeah, yeah, if yeah. you were to say every single playoff team from last year makes it in a in a like a get rid of conferences, we're going with the 16 best teams, and then the Lakers and the Kings or the Pelicans would be my pick after the Kings made it. I could buy into that. 10 would be 10 would be a number, and I would say at least nine.
1: Yeah. Um, all right. At nine, P. Kelly nine asks, "What's the best Western Conference backcourt?" His nickname is Waterboy, and he's from Houston.
0: What's the best Western Conference backcourt?
1: So that thing I, I think- spoiled earlier. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some more results from that. Um, Westbrook and Harden are combined to to or their combined projection is 23.9. <laughs> They're first. The Warriors combined projection is 12.9 second. I use LeBron as the point guard in this situation, but LeBron and Danny Green are 12.5. Lillard McCollum, 12.2. Then we get Ben Simmons, obviously in the East. Then we get, believe it or not, at number six, Lonzo Ball and Drew Holiday, um, 11.7. Mavericks, I used Luka, um, 10.5 for him and Doan Wright. Jazz are down at 9. Uh, Kemba, and not Kemba. <laughs> Conley and Donovan Mitchell. Oklahoma City is 10th with Chris Paul and Shea Gilgis alexander Shea. jump down to 14, and it's Denver, Jamal Murray and Gary Harris. 15 is Rubio and Booker. Um, 16, Fox and Heald. Anyway, I I, I could go through the whole league, but that's kind of what those numbers suggest.
0: For the Lakers, my guess would be that'll get blown up by either LeBron not starting at point guard or Danny Green being the three if LeBron starts at point guard.
1: I, I think if you put KCP there, they'd probably still be pretty high. The funny thing about this one is you can take LeBron's 9.2 and swap it out for like the minus two that Rondo is projected for. Oh, no. And they obviously go from the top to the bottom.
0: There are a lot of candidates for this. I would say at least three. Utah is intriguing with Conley and Mitchell. I still think I gravitate towards Stephen Curry and D'Angelo Russell would be yeah. my pick. With This is just the utmost of respect for Harden and recognizing that Westbrook is a star they would be two and then Utah would be three for me. But those, I think that order could end up in any order by the end of the season.
1: I probably go Houston. Number one got to be in there a little bit too,
0: right? CJ and Portland has
1: to be in there. Yeah. You're right. This is not an easy question. I think, I think Houston is number one for me. And then I think by the end of the season, I wouldn't be surprised if it's golden state, Utah, Portland, um, the, those are probably the top contenders. Unless we really are going to say that LeBron is is a point guard, then the Lakers will probably be in there too. Denver, um, I think, is maybe a tier down. Even though I am pretty high on Jamal Murray and Gary Harris, um, but yeah, that's <laughs> the the running theme of this podcast is how much talent there is in the West, and that's certainly true of the backcourts.
0: You had Houston then as your pick.
1: I think Houston is probably my pick. Yeah,
0: it's gonna. We're all gonna look. Like, such dumbasses when Russell Westbrook and James Harden work out. I've tried to, like, hedge a little bit, but even when I hedge, I'm like, I just, I don't know how it's going to happen.
1: I yeah. think I've been higher on the fit. Because um, Daryl Moore the... follows
0: you on Twitter, probably.
1: <laughs> on yeah. yeah, I hope that's not painting my uh, opinion of things. Um, at Bash Hoops, his nickname would be Builder because he puts up bricks. And he's from Australia.
0: I appreciate his candor there. <laughs>
1: Um, what's the projections for Phoenix's second year big man, DeAndre Ayton up down or about the same overall? We don't talk about DeAndre Ayton very much. So I threw this one in here.
0: Um, Why wouldn't he go up? I mean, he's, he's 21. He had a really good rookie season. We had Sam Cooper, the timeline podcast on, I believe you were there for that one as well. He said I was probably overrating the defensive improvement that he made, but I thought he just statistically was a much better rim protector after the all-star break and defense tends to improve at this point in your career as you're getting a little older and just what he can do offensively I'd like to see the Suns give him just a little bit more freedom on in the half court I'm not saying he needs to jack threes but let's see him get a little a few more face up opportunities he's just so comfortable in doing whatever if he he can put the ball on the floor his his post work is I wouldn't say it's the most polished but he's he's just so smooth he's comfortable taking turnaround hooks and creating his own shot but can play off of Devin Booker or now Ricky Rubio well and to have two above average playmakers next to him that should just work wonders for Phoenix and shooting if if Cam Johnson pans out you have Mikael Bridges this is a team that just better suits him to, to feast on offense and so you take in a little bit of defense improvement I don't know why he would get worse are we saying maybe his usage falls uh, from last season because you have Rubio, you have Ty Jerome. I suppose it's possible, but it wasn't incredibly high. I mean, 21.2 was his usage last year. Even if he's right around there, that you can still, you know, spin improvement from from that area.
1: I kind of feel bad for DeAndre Ayton. He had a really good rookie season. He just happened to have it in the same year that Luka Doncic and Trey Young were in the NBA. Um both very, very exciting players, both perimeter players, which is just obviously favored over big guys these days. But his his per-game numbers in just 30 minutes a game, he averaged 16 and 10, almost two assists, shot almost 60% from the field um, per 75 possessions. So that, that adjusts for playing time and pace. He averaged 19 points, 12 rebounds, 2.1 assists, 1.1 blocks, one steal had a true shooting percentage over 60 in most years. Um, And then certainly in a previous era, this is a rookie season that would have been celebrated much, much more than it was. And I, I I'm, I think a lot, well, I know I'm a lot higher than, than I was on him when he was drafted. Uh, but now I think I'm kind of higher on him than the general perception is. I think he has a chance to be really, really good. If he develops, if he can scoot that jump shot out to the three point line and he only took four all of last season. So maybe that's a ways away, but um, I think he has a chance to be really, really good. He'll be better next season than he was this year in, in answer to bash hoops question or the builder as he calls himself. Um, so yeah, I think we're both up on them at P a G D O L O R E S. His NBA nickname would be Slim Shady. He's from the Philippines, and his question is, "What is the ceiling for the Sacramento Kings?"
0: The eighth seed is the absolute ceiling.
1: Agreed. Um, and I, I, I think I've talked about this on a previous episode, but I like this. I like the Kings. I like a lot of their players individually. I think Marvin Bagley has a chance to be really good. I love the fox-heeled backcourt. I like Bogdanovich. There's just a lot of inv- individual players that I think are comfortable plus players. Uh, and some even have some star potential. But again, we're in the Western Conference here. Um, so I, I'm with you. I think eighth is probably the absolute ceiling for them. And they could even win, you know, low to mid-40s and miss the playoffs. That's just the craziness of the conference that they're in.
0: There was some stuff going around the other week that could their offense take a hit because they don't really have a, a frequent rim roller anymore since losing Willie Cauley-Stein. I value the spacing that they get with Dwayne Deadman. A lot mm-hmm. more and the way that Marvin Bagley shot from three towards the end of of last season that just opens things up for De'Aaron Fox but healed when they're having the ball by down by Devanovic. the other thing too is let's see what Giles and Bagley look with more pick and roll usage they didn't neither of them were run as the roll man that much last year and so that's just not as a big of of a concern to me, I, I value the spacing that they have in the front court more. And I'm with you. I like the Kings. They still seem like they fall short of what's going to take to make the playoffs. They would need another leap from somewhere. It would have to be Bagley making the type of jump that De'Aaron Fox did last season, or it would have to be um, De'Aaron Fox making that that leap into the you know top twenty, twenty five conversation. Even then, it's just the Western Conference is so unbelievably deep and there don't seem to be many playoff spots up for grabs we went through six locks and there might be people who would say there are seven locks they would argue the blazers or the spurs it wouldn't it wouldn't floor me if they were in the playoffs but it it would be a surprise i'd like to see where they end up ranking defensively this season their their wing rotation it's not bad trevor ariza harrison barnes is there probably going to play more three than i'd want him to they just don't have a really good wing defender. You know, Trevor Ariza is like 80 years old now in NBA years. And what happens if they're out of the playoff race earlier than expected? Is he going to stay interested? And that's not a shot at the Kings. It's just he didn't seem very interested in Phoenix last year. Although maybe that's a shot at Phoenix. Who knows? I'm just, who's the guy? Or Ariza. Yeah, that's true too. Like I said before, I love Trevor Ariza just because he he chases the bag. And I I love it. Absolutely love it. So I want to see where their defense is. Do they have the tools to kind of improve from where they finished last season? Uh, Because last year, filtering out garbage time, they were 18th, which is actually a little bit better than I expected. 18th in points allowed per 100 possessions. I'm not sure that they have the tools to be a ton better. Corey Joseph, definitely an upgrade for their backcourt. And Bagley was better defensively than I expected last year, too. And then Dwayne Dedman. Uh, you, he's he's sneaky switchable is what I've always said about him, and then he he can play the traditional big man role as well. It's those wing spots that really start to worry me, where you have Buddy Heald and Bogdan Bagdanovich and Harrison Barnes and Trevor Ariza. What are what is happening in those two three zones? And that's just the biggest question that I have with this team right now.
1: They're another team I, I mentioned was a lot of the projections for the West earlier. Another one that kind of surprised me in the other direction. Like I was surprised that Dallas was so high and, a, and I'm kind of surprised that some of the models have the Kings in like the low 30s um, for, for win total. I think they'll probably be at least as good as they were last year.
0: Guys are terrible at taking care of their health. Whether it's a knee injury, bad back or something worse, guys are usually more comfortable rubbing some dirt on it than seeing a doctor. The same is true for erectile dysfunction. Studies show 70% of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it. Thankfully, Roman created an easy way to chat with a doctor online. With Roman, you can get medical care for ED right in the comfort and privacy of your own home. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com BlueWire and complete an online visit. If your doctor decides that treatment would be appropriate, they can prescribe medication that will be delivered in discreet packaging right to your door with free two-day shipping. Guys, go talk to the doctor. Erectile dysfunction can be tough to tackle, but it's really important to get checked out. Just go to GetRoman.com BlueWire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash BlueWire for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com.
1: Slash Blue Wire. All right, this one's pretty specific, but uh, at Jordan Dan fifty three, his NBA nickname is the Weatherman. So shout out on your nickname getting you in, Jordan. Um, he's from Colorado. How good can Gary Harris be if he can stay healthy? Maybe we can expand this to sort of like a general discussion of the Nuggets' backcourt too. He could
0: be really good. I don't. I don't. It's. He's not, I wouldn't say he's an all-star level player. Five thirty-eight. Chris Herring wrote a fantastic piece leading into last year about how well he statistically compared to Kawhi Leonard at the point in his career. He's never going to be that player, and he's definitely never going to develop into that type of shot creator. I don't even think he'll ever have the opportunity in Denver, but if you're talking about just elite three and D twos that have the potential to fend up till threes, uh he's he's certainly right there. I would, I wouldn't say that he's an all-star caliber player though.
1: Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, I thought I did one of those blind comparisons with him and I was trying to find it. Uh, So yeah, I I think he could be pretty, pretty good as well. I don't think he's like an all-star caliber player. I'm I'm basically just parroting what you said at this point, but I think he's a very, very good fit next to Nicole Jokic. I actually, before last season, thought the best chemistry that Jokic had with anybody was with Gary Harris. He's really good on those backdoor cuts. Um, he was a lot he was a lot better at just catching immediately after – or shooting immediately after catching a Jokic pass. I think there was just a lot of synergy and chemistry between those two. And the injuries recently I think have, have derailed that a little bit. Um, but again if if he can stay healthy and and Jamal Murray can take another step forward to kind of live up to that contract that he just got um Denver's going to be really really good this season. I I I know they're one of the only teams that went with continuity so it's easy to kind of gloss over them when we discuss, you know, how things are going to shake out next season, but they've got a top 5 player in Jokic, uh, certainly no lower than top 10. And a bunch of guys that fit him really, really well. So they're gonna be fun to watch. I think Gary Harris, even if he gets back to where he was like a season or two ago, um, Denver's Denver's gonna be a lot better uh than they maybe not a lot better, but they they could be better than they were last season.
0: The thing with him too is his offensive role slash usage is always at the risk of getting diluted uh, from the talent around him. It's you know, Jamal Murray, Nicole Jokic, Will Barton, he's have the ball in his hands. And then you just have other guys who, you know, like a Jeremy Grant is going to command a ton of touches, but the Nuggets are just so deep that there are going to be other guys who can score and have their nights. He's probably never going to have the consistent detonations on offense that it'll take to reach the level of an all-star. If he was in the Eastern yeah. Conference. Maybe we could talk about
1: that. <laughs> it le- that could have been the final uh, thing to say about all these questions, if so-and-so is in the East. Um, all right, this is the last one that I have teed up it's from Ryan Walton at Ryan Walton DC his NBA nickname would be Bill's nephew where he's from is your backyard which may require some further investigation
0: I need to look out my window really quick hold on <laughs>
1: uh which team will make the biggest jump this season
0: Ooh, uh, this is actually is a little bit easier than I expected it's gotta be the Lakers
1: oh yeah let's rule the Lakers out <laughs> Because that one is that is pretty clearly going to be the Lakers if they're healthy. They're going to add I don't know fifteen wins.
0: I think there's going to be some push for the Clippers here. I won't pick them year one of the superstar pairings. They all I know Kawhi just won in year one with Toronto, but I feel like they always take a season to sort of marinate to perfection. And the other thing is how many games are Paul George and Kawhi Leonard going to play in? Kawhi Leonard specifically yeah. might not play in sixty-seven. I'm going to say this is the stupidest, well, <laughs> I'm, it's the stupidest answer because they lost Anthony Davis, but I almost want to say the Pelicans, but but now I'm looking at the Suns. They won 19 games, and yeah. I've said nice things about their offseason. The only move that was absolutely unequivocally indefensible was just the Josh Jackson uh, dump with the Grizzlies. What they had to give up to get rid of him, how it seemed like they missed managed their cap in that situation, but if you look at their roster compared to last season, they are so much better. And you've lightened Devin Booker's workload on the ball. He's a good enough shooter to where I think playing off the ball a lot uh, more is going to help him. You do have more shooting in general on this team. Cam Johnson, Mikael Bridges, a lot of people like Ty Jerome as a shooter. I'm I'm going to say the Phoenix Suns. That, that has, If you're picking the Phoenix Suns for anything good, that has a potential blow up in your face. But they're just so <laughs> much better than they are last season. Uh, even Dario Sars just more. I know he wasn't the best shooter when he went over to Minnesota last year and struggled in Philly, I think, before the trade for a little bit. But if you look at what he did in 2017, 2018 as sort of this ancillary piece, they're just with DeAndre Ayton in year two. Devin Booker's still so young. It wouldn't surprise me if they improved by like 10 plus victories. And again, the bar is so low for them. I'm just saying that it's so clear that they're better. They they would have to be my pick.
1: So, like you said, they won 19 games last year. Those Kevin Pelton projections that I referenced earlier, they have Phoenix at 38 wins.
0: Well, 20 wins um, would certainly qualify them as the most. Yeah.
1: So if they do that, they're they're you know they they that would be an even bigger turnaround than what I just said about the Lakers earlier. I think Phoenix is obviously in the conversation. All the points you made are true uh, and fair. I think Dallas has a chance, and I think New Orleans has a chance. They both won 33 last year. I wouldn't be stunned to see either one of those teams get to like 42, 43, and that's a pretty big turnaround. And with the Pelicans,
0: um, it's I I know I said you don't want to I don't I didn't want to pick them because Anthony Davis left, but also with what happened with his trade demand and he was just, yeah it was that season was kind of I don't want to say tanked, but it was it really went
1: crazy. off the rails, yeah, yeah for sure. If you had um, to pick
0: who increases their win total by more, the Lakers or the Suns? Lakers had 37 victories um, last year. The Suns yeah. had 19.
1: That's pretty tough. They're, they're going to be close. I would probably say the Lakers, but the Suns pulling that off wouldn't surprise me. I, I could see them being like low to mid-30s, which is a huge turnaround from 19.
0: It It's tough to pick the Lakers for me in that situation because – I almost feel like their ceiling of improvement might be like 12 to 14 wins because you have to assume they'll manage LeBron's workload. It's the first year he's playing with Anthony Davis. We don't know how well some of these other pieces are going to uh, pan out. And then Phoenix's ceiling is just inherently higher in the improvement department because they weren't working with much to begin with compared to uh, when you look at last season. It's a tough pick, though. You went with That the leaves Lakers.
1: Memphis as the last place team in the West, right?
0: That's probably fair. You have yeah. a rookie point guard in John Morant.
1: You know it's crazy though what I, what I was thinking when I said that is if if I'm I'm just looking at the 15 teams in the Western Conference and I think you could make an argument for any of them being like low to mid 30s in wins. Maybe that's stretching it for Memphis cuz like you said they're really young especially with starting point guard and Jaron Jackson's just in year 2 but again going with the running theme of this episode there is just so much talent in the Western Conference. It's it's wild. Um How many good teams are on that side of the league?
0: Can I ask you Um, a question about the Western Conference? Go for it. Were you surprised at all by the rookie survey when uh, the rookies were asked, which rookie will have the best career? Cam Reddish finished first. He's in the East. But John Morant finished second with 16% of the vote. And then you had uh, Jackson Hayes, Zion Williamson were both tied for fourth with R.J. Barrett and Kobe White with 5% of
1: the vote. I'm not surprised because I, I feel like we've gotten a lot of uh, crazy answers from the rookie survey and with all due respect to players, a lot of them aren't great at analysis. Um, the, the rookie survey has always been kind of funny to me to and it's, it's like a popularity contest. I think clearly Cam Reddish must be a guy that they all like and maybe they're just Maybe they just haven't it's, spent enough time with Zion. I don't know. It's it's, it's always weird to they me. They
0: voted Zion for Rookie of the Year, though. John Morant was second. Here's my question. Is, I don't know if, I'm torn between whether Zion would be my pick for Rookie of the Year, just because of how deep New Orleans is, that it could yeah. almost end up being disingenuous to his case a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think there's something there. Um, I, I think he's clearly the best player from this class. However, like you said, John Morant will probably get, more opportunities um, than Zion. Well, though Tyus Jones is there. So I I don't know how much he'll be prioritized over Morant, but um, I would probably pick Zion for rookie of the year, but there are certainly some other guys that, that might have cases.
0: My final question on it does then the rookie of the year come from the Western conference. Yes. If it's not Zion, does it still come from the Western conference?
1: Um. I think so. <laughs> I need to pull up. I'm going to pull up you the have, draft. So there's
0: there's Jared Culver in Minnesota. Oh, okay. name so to look hold at. On. John Morant in Memphis. Uh, Jackson Hayes in New Orleans. That If Jackson Hayes is the one that was rookie of the year, that'd be absolutely
1: yeah, wild. Right.
0: Just throwing that out I there. I guess
1: the the best shot for the East is R.J. Barrett.
0: Yeah, and his usage could get kind of weird just because of the talent that New York has placed around him. I'll tell uh, you what,
1: I can't wait for the uh RJ Barrett, Kevin Knox uh shootouts.
0: Yeah, with uh with a ton of Bobby Portis and Marcus Morris sprinkled <laughs> in between.
1: That lineup is so weird. Speaking of fans that got really bent out of shape recently, Knicks fans were very angry at my uh win-loss projections for Bleacher Report.
0: What did you have them at? I went through those. Because
1: I I don't remember what I had them at for wins and losses, but I had them 29th in the NBA. Um I don't. I don't remember exactly. Dude, I think I had him. Like it's
0: not twice. unfair. Let's just get that out of the way, right? Now. <laughs> the Knicks are going to be bad.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I was surprised uh, by the reaction. Um,
0: Do you but want? It, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say I have a sleeper pick for rookie of the year. Okay. Brandon Clark.
1: I like Brandon Clark a lot, and I really like that pairing too. I I like the idea of him and Jaron Jackson at the four and the five.
0: I hope that that combination gets a ton of minutes because I know they have Valanchunas and my, and a plumley. A yep. I won't even say Myles, <laughs> they have a Plumley.
1: They have a Plumley. Hey, the Lakers could use a Zeller.
0: <laughs> <laughs> ah, the Lakers. Are they going to sign Dwight Howard? Yes or no? Yes. Really?
1: Actually, the funny thing about that is it's Memphis who has Dwight Howard and they're like, Taking a philosophical stand against buyouts, it seems like.
0: I guess they're hoping that he finds a guarantee for certain money so that he'll give up more in his buyout. I yeah. He'll get it back. But I, It'd be funny
1: if they just hang, hung on to him and Andre Godala all season.
0: I need Dwight Howard to go to the Lakers for the content. At the same time, I feel like I would still be a little bit surprised if it happened.
1: I think it's going to happen. You know what's fu- uh, funny is— Speak it into is, existence.
0: Do the Levar yeah. ball. Speak it into existence. Um,
1: I, I was one of the many people and I still I still feel this way that think Joaquim Noah is is better than Dwight Howard right now there's a ton of issues between Noah and LeBron from years past or at least there were um, so maybe that's why they're not going after him but I did one of those blind polls with Dwight and Noah and Dwight run it won it, <laughs> won it in a landslide oh wow uh, so yeah I was I was surprised by that I like I said I would still say that Noah was Better, I value his passing and and I think he's probably a better teammate, but I did find that interesting.
0: That's all I got. What about you?
1: That's all I got. Um, As always, we thank everyone for the participation. Uh, Once again, we had plenty of great questions. If we didn't get to yours, uh, sincere apologies. Please keep throwing them at us when we send out that tweet. Um, and if you want to follow us on Twitter, dance at Dan Favali, F A V A L E. I'm at Andrew D. Bailey. The show is at Hardwood Knox. Mo is at Mo DeKeel underscore NBA. The podcast network at Blue Wire Pods. Uh, also follow NBA Math, NBA underscore Math. If you've already rated, reviewed, and subscribed to the show, make sure you're encouraging or coercing your friends to do the same. And until next time, we leave you with the shout out. To Benna Udry To Kyle Anderson And Jalen Brunson